Hi, I'm Cody Goff with a special sponsored podcast episode from Curiosity.com. And I'm Ashley Hamer. This episode is sponsored by EMD Performance Materials, a business of Merck KGAA, Darmstadt, Germany. And it's the final episode in our five-part series about how science and technology are being applied to drive innovation and change the world. Today, you'll learn about the materials that make your smartphone possible, what's next for the future of mobile innovation, and where technology is headed in the future, from autonomous vehicles to virtual and augmented reality. Today, you're going to hear from Aldo Orsi, head of global product management, Semiconductor Solutions, and Mansoor Moinpour, head of technology scouting, Semiconductor Solutions. If you have a smartphone, then it is highly likely that you come into contact with materials from their company every day. Their materials are basically what makes smartphones smart by enhancing the performance of your device. Here's what Aldo says about what's in your smartphone and where the technology is headed next. Let's satisfy some curiosity. Is there anything in the phone that doesn't have our materials? Yeah, there are a few things, right? We don't have everything (laughs) in there. But do we have a large majority of the significant devices that go into the phone and, and that enable the phone to work on the screen and inside the phone, yes. And we're looking for ways to expand on that through some of our development efforts and address material requirements to to manage the different uh, working functions of the phone. Do you think our phones will look much different five to 10 years from now? Or do you think they'll just be kind of similar to what they are, but maybe better? <laughs> That's an interesting question. Um, I, would, I would tend to think that maybe five, to 10 years from now, we may not necessarily carry anything that is called a phone. Uh, a lot of it would be instructed and there are devices that maybe are attached uh, different ways to our uh, clothes or our bodies that uh, would basically do all the functionalities of, of a smartphone today. Yeah. So as a gadget that you're actually carrying it in your pocket or in your purse, uh, I would say that probably would disappear in, in 10 years. Yeah, that's probably true. In smartphone production, the company is a full solutions provider. You can find their materials in your phone's processor, fingerprint and pressure sensors, Wi-Fi, Bluetooth and camera modules, NAND flash memory, and energy management parts of the inside of your phone. Not to mention the screen and shell of the outside of your phone. In smartphone production, primarily their lithographic materials such as anti-reflective coatings, carbon underlays, and thin film isolators are used. They make it possible to manufacture microchips. Tantalum and cobalt precursors help to coat the chips. Silicon materials such as clebosol are used to smooth special surfaces. The process materials include various auxiliaries such as solvents. Either organic light-emitting diodes, OLEDs, or liquid crystals are used in the smartphone display. And finally, dielectric materials such as the silicon polymer PHPS are used to maintain electrical insulation between the individual transistors. Here's Mansoor with more on how dielectrics work. Dielectrics is uh, basically uh, a class of materials that isolate the conductive parts of the device. Uh, You basically need conductive parts to transport electricity or electrons between the device as well as from a device to a neighboring device or outside circuitry. Uh, In order for these conductors not to get connected to each other, creating electrical short, you need dielectrics as an isolating materials. And that's the basic functionality of uh, dielectrics. Our technology, which is uh, spin-on dielectrics, creates a very good fitting property in the very narrow dimensions 
as these devices becoming smaller and smaller, it's really more difficult to put these dielectrics in a very narrow dimensions, tight geometries, and that's what our material enables. Oh, I wanted to add a couple of things to the materials, like the dielectrics that insulate. We are also a key supplier of the metals that get deposited that enable the devices to work within uh, an iPhone or any other type of mobile phone. We have a, a strength in that area where we uh, have a position in the marketplace with a lot of the logic devices and some of the memory devices. So you talk about insulators like our dielectrics and then you have the conducting materials that go in there as well so they work you know they have to work with each other and we have to work with the customers to identify what new requirements there are with respect to to the metals that are required for the conductive capabilities in the devices and you know those dimensions are getting smaller so the requirements are getting more stringent and those are the type of technical discussions and roadmap discussions that we have uh, with our customers so we have the insulating side and we have the conducting side of the business and then the patterning material and which it often gets overlooked right because patterning materials whereas dielectrics and and the conductive metals stay on the device What's very critical for many of the customers that we supply are the patterning materials that enable to define the circuitry, which then leads to putting on the dielectrics and the metals as defined, perhaps, by those patterning materials. So when you look inside a cellular phone or a mobile phone or a computer or even a television, anything that's mobile or, or has digital content, these different suppliers use a variety of our different materials to deliver the device that's required to, to support the capability of the final electrical components or also, you know, the devices that we use every day now. As Mensor mentioned, dielectrics are basically used to separate the parts inside your phone. Pretty important considering how many components go into making your smartphone. Dielectrics also go into DRAM and NAND, which have to do with memory. Here's what that means. Any computer device uses two types of chips, DRAM and NAND. Both have specific advantages and serve different purposes. In short, DRAM chips allow for very fast interaction, but consume a lot of energy. Consider this your short-term memory, very active when you're active. NAND or NAND flash, on the other hand, is slower, but doesn't need much energy and therefore serves as long-term memory. NAND stores memory for a long, long time. It's used in a wide range of applications, from client PCs to enterprise services, to meet high-performance capacity needs for digital data storage. EMD Performance Materials has been playing a crucial role in advancing these technologies with their materials. Speaking of materials, we asked what specific types of metals go into a smartphone and why those specific metals. Here's Mansoor with the details. I would say most of the uh, metallizations technology that is being used these days in different uh, memory chips or microprocessor chips, image sensors, is either copper or aluminum. Uh, these are the two metals that has been traditionally used by the semiconductor industry for the last 60 years or so. <laughs> aluminum has been the main um, metal of choice for uh, few decades and then uh, copper became more prominent, especially for leading edge technologies. These two metals have been chosen based on uh, their excellent conductivity. So 
which basically is like an electrical conductivity, how fast you can move electrons, which goes back to how fast you can get these devices to work. And do you think that that's kind of the final answer to the question of the metals that, that work best? You know, you look at areas like batteries, for example, and we've been using lithium ion for a really long time. But nowadays, you know, researchers are starting to experiment with batteries that use sodium and, and other chemicals. So it's like maybe there's a better solution. And do you think that's similar for the metals that are being used in the industry? And, and are you finding companies that are experimenting with, with different solutions? Exactly, exactly. As, as you mentioned, you use the example of the batteries, but also in the electronic chip industry, there's always uh, a need or uh, a quest for looking at better metals for faster conductivity, faster uh, circuitry. And a um, couple of examples that are, are being uh, both implemented as well as being researched actively are cobalt and rutinium. Uh, as well as molybdenum. These are the three metals that you see uh, quite amount of interest by the IC community, uh, chip manufacturers. In fact, cobalt has already been implemented by some companies. Uh, rutinium and molybdenum are being researched as potentially next generation alternative uh, methodization uh, candidates. And is that just because they're faster? Why those metals? We are getting now to a little bit more of the technical aspects of these things. In, in terms of the pure electrical uh, conductivity, they are not as fast as copper. But uh, when you put these in a very confined structures, copper slows down, whereas cobalt could be fast. And as we go into smaller geometries, then some of these metals that on the bulk conductivity are not as fast as copper, but in the confined geometries, they could be faster than copper. And that's where these metals are being uh, researched. It's a very fascinating, uh, I would say, observation that uh, a material that in the bulk form outperforms another material, when, it, when you put it in a very fine geometries, it doesn't act as good as in the bulk form. And that we are learning these things as we go into smaller, smaller dimensions. What's a, something that you maybe solved recently or, or an addition or an augmentation to smartphone technology that, um, that kind of illustrates how much you can change the technology and move it forward with, with something like changing a material or, or changing the way that something is packaged or doing something else that you've done in, in the recent past? Yeah, I think that's the, one of the, the previous podcasts. Uh, Don mentioned about the direct self-assembly, the which is basically a new patterning technology based on a completely a new set of properties of materials that they tend to, you make and you can mix it together, but uh, under certain conditions, they tend to realign themselves and almost like a self logo, they create uh, nice uh, geometries. That's one technology that we have spent a, a lot of uh, focus in, in, in recent years. And, uh, we are seeing a lot of uh, promising trends that eventually this technology will be implemented. Uh, I mentioned cobalt earlier. Uh, we developed cobalt uh, methodization chemistry a few years back and uh, currently uh, has been already adopted by leading edge uh, chip manufacturing. In addition to that, one of the key issues that has come up over the recent years is how well can you clean 
the wafers on which the chips are made. That's becoming a more critical processing step because of the different types of materials that are used. Uh, you have to be very careful with the different types of chemistries or processes that you use because they may not be compatible with what's on the device now. So we've been working with partners, both on the equipment side and now on the customer side, to introduce new cleaning techniques, which could be uh, significant because as the devices are getting smaller, things that we didn't know were an issue or were not an issue and that maybe we can't even see are starting to impact the device. And this is the challenge for the industry, certainly our challenge for our company, but a challenge to the industry as to how we're going to be able to address this and get ahead of the issue. So we are embarking in different areas, perhaps that we didn't look at more closely previously, and we expect that there will be opportunities there to introduce a combination of processing and materials that will address these issues going forward. You know, we talked in a previous episode also about just how small these changes can be. You're manufacturing things literally to the atom with the precision. Is that the kind of challenge you're facing when you're talking about cleaning things? Are we talking microscopic little cracks in, in like atomic level cleaning challenges? Yeah, it's basically atomic level cleaning challenges also are becoming very prevalent uh, these days. Uh, that's what uh, Aldo was referring to. Uh, we are talking about uh, angstrom level defects, even smaller than nanometer defects that we're trying to detect and uh, eliminate from surfaces. Uh, of these uh, wafers when they go through the manufacturing lines. Mm -hmm. And also, uh, as part of our uh, roadmap in our packaging uh, division, we are looking at potentially investing in uh, future thermal management uh, type uh, materials. There are uh, emerging technologies like uh, cooling technologies, uh, mm -hmm. chip cooling technologies that are being developed as part of uh, overall thermal management challenge mm -hmm. of a lot of these devices uh, because obviously as you operate these devices mm -hmm. and you run these electrons all over these circuitries, they get hot and they need to dissipate heat and uh, current solutions are uh, traditional maybe ceramic type thermal management uh, materials, uh, thermal interface materials mm -hmm. and we are working with different universities on next generation thermal management solutions. Mm -hmm. It's hard not to get excited about the future of smartphones and the other technology you've heard about in our podcast miniseries. So now that you have an intimate knowledge of what's in your phone and the innovation that makes it possible, we thought we'd wrap up our series by asking Aldo and Mansoor what else they're excited about outside the world of smartphones. Here's what Aldo told us. From the standpoint of how we travel and how we commute, I think the automobile experience is going to be very different in 10 to 15 years too. Not only inside the car, but, you know, from an overall commercial perspective, right? Will people own, even own cars in the future? Would it, will it all be ride sharing? And then will you have to even pay attention while you're driving, 
Right. So I'm fascinated to see where that goes because, you know, as you've seen the evolution of, of the automobile over the years, I think this is going to be a, a drastic change for, you know, that whole industry. And you can see companies have been investing to catch up because they were a little bit late in getting it, primarily the automobile manufacturers. You know, there was all this development going outside of the automobile manufacturers. And in the last five years, they've really scurried to try to get into the automated vehicle. Right. So I think that whole industry is going to have a major disruption as well. It's going to be a big change because you see people that are not buying cars even today and they're all living closer to the city. So there's been a reversal of wanting to move out. Now people are moving back in and you don't need a vehicle. And now that there's all these capabilities and ride sharing programs and self-driving automobiles, I think it's going to be a big change. I think actually one area that maybe we didn't touch specifically, but I think that's something that I think it will drastically change our lives in the next 10 to 15 years. And that's basically the whole idea of user experience, which comes from the virtual reality and augmented reality. Uh, you see examples of it in like movies like Matrix, uh, yeah. Some of the other movies that comes up, sci-fi sci movies that you see some of yeah. these examples of the VR and AR. But I think on the daily lives as consumer electronic, consumer uh, applications, I would say AR and VR would, would drastically change our experiences over the next 10, 15 years. Yeah. We, are, we are at the at the tip of a big I would say iceberg when it yeah. comes to that, uh, those areas. Yeah. Very cool. Well, I cannot wait for you to make Westworld happen. <laughs> you know what? Uh, we've had so many discussions about that, right? And how far away are we from something like that? And there was the movie too, uh, Ex Machina, right? Mm -hmm. um, that, you know, was related to that topic. So we may be closer to it than we think. I don't know. We'll see. Thanks for listening to this special episode of Curiosity Daily, sponsored by EMD Performance Materials, a business of Merck KGAA, Darmstadt, Germany. We hope you enjoyed our mini-series on how science and technology are being applied to drive innovation and change the world. You can find links to learn more in today's show notes. I'm Cody Goff. And I'm Ashley Hamer. You can find us on curiosity.com. And as always, stay curious. On the Westwood One Podcast Network. 